hello and welcome to episode four of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio, and I'm the elder statesman of the bunch. Our middle member of the posse is Matt Burns of ESPN, and our youngster is my nephew, Jared Fattel of Fat Stack Sports. Well, let's start this show tonight. College basketball, Michigan, down Michigan State. Well, what do you think, Jared? It, it's time to press the panic button if I'm going to miss you. And not because of their talent. I think it's honestly Coach Izzo. I look at their – he insists on playing three bigs at a time. Have you noticed this? Yeah. This is not the way of basketball anymore. He, he goes with Jaron Jackson, Ward, and Jabari and – not Jabari. Bridges. Bridges, correct. Right. I always confuse him and Jabari Parker for some reason. <laughs> but you can't play those three at the same time, and he insists on doing it. They struggle. I mean, you look at it, it causes matchup problems. He has Nick Ward on – Wagner, he gets sauced, blended. Oh, Wagner just had a tremendous game, didn't he? And you look at this team, it's Jabari. Why do I keep calling him Jabari? What is the deal with that? <laughs> they're, I mean, they're basically the same player. They, they have the same style of game. I, know. I can see it. Miles Bridges, he's not playing his position. He's out of position. Right. He's a three. He's not. He's got him at like the four. It's just not. That's not where he needs to play. And you look at this team. They have two point guards who complement each other very well. I just feel like they're being underutilized. Yeah. But do you think they're missing maybe a little bit of that outside sharpshooter guy that they really need, and Bridges does a little bit too much of that? I think that is one thing. They're missing that outside game. I do wonder with Bridges if they're trying to they're trying to mold him into an NBA player. Like if they're, they're trying to, I guess, broaden his game for when he goes to the NBA. Because it does seem like they're not just letting him do what he's best at and be athletic and just take guys to the rack and, and beat guys going to the hole. What do you guys think? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's sad if that's what they're doing because it's not their duty to help mold a player into an NBA player. It's their their job to get wins. Yeah. And people forget Matt McQuaid. He's white. He can shoot. <laughs> I've never seen him make a three, a big-time three, but he can shoot because he's white. He almost plays like he's a little scared, though, that he's coming out of the game if he misses a shot or two. Do you Do you pick up on that at all? Yeah, it does seem like whenever he does something, he's looking over his shoulder. I, ha- I have noticed that. He doesn't have that Nick Stauskas kind of big balls to him. Right. No. Yeah, that, I mean, that's one thing that I guess I'm I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Jared, you, you've said before how Izzo's the most overrated coach. I don't think he's overrated on that level. I am starting to wonder, though. I mean, I, 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 I tweeted out asking about Izzo, asking if he didn't win that championship, that's almost 20 years ago now. It's just crazy to think that that championship with Mateen Cleaves and all those guys was almost 20 years ago. If he didn't win that national championship, would he be looked at as – I mean, some Michigan State fans act like he can't do anything wrong. Like, it's Tom Izzo, no matter what he does, he's still the greatest thing in the history of college basketball, almost, almost like the second coming of John Wooden. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, if he didn't win that championship – would it be the same? Yeah, you started to open my eyes up a little bit with that tweet because, you know, I was I was defending him pretty big time for making it to the Final Fours, but I know Jared got on me last week when I brought up the comment, and it is a good point, only one national championship with all those great teams that he had. And, and you know, I was I was looking for some comparisons, like I believe you responded maybe Bill Self was one of them, and, you know, who else would be a good comparison to a one-time uh, national championship guy that can't do it again? I mean, hey, really, Steve, Coach, Steve Coach Cal. Coach Cal, Steve Fisher. A lot, a lot of these teams that he has are just crazy talented. And he, he doesn't ever – well, he, he has had some success, but not a lot. One national championship, right? Yeah. He – how – yeah, they're talented, but it's the hardest coaching job in the country to get those guys to play together. You're talking about Coach Cal? Yeah. 
Yeah, and that I, that's one thing I do wonder. I mean, I, I think we've talked about Coach Cal. I think what he's doing is great. He he knows what kind of program he has. He's getting a lot of one-and-done guys to come in. So, right, what he's doing is a lot different than, like, what Beeline is doing and some of these other guys. It, it's a completely different coaching style, what he's doing. Well, back to the Michigan-Michigan State matchup again. I mean, I, I can definitely say in that game, Beeline definitely outcoached Izzo for sure, without a I doubt. I think so. I, some of the – I read some of these stats. They were posted shortly after the game. The last seven seasons, Beeline is eight and seven versus Izzo. Michigan has two Big Ten championships to Michigan State's one. Michigan's been in the national championship once, and Michigan State hasn't been in the last seven seasons. And Michigan's put more guys into the NBA than Michigan State. So if you're looking at the past seven seasons, all these Michigan State fans that just ask, act like it's January, February, Izzo. Uh, why isn't Beeline even considered in Izzo's class? Yeah, I, that's for sure. I mean, he definitely should be, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, other than in that game, this week's been a little different story. We're, we're recording this on Friday night, but uh, Michigan went on the road. Nebraska didn't show up in that game for whatever reason. i got to believe that's a that's a tough place to go to. You know, you're flying in the middle of nowhere, and uh, Nebraska's a little bit underrated. They played them hard, and they play well at home, too. But uh, that was a tough loss coming off that high win there for Michigan against Michigan State. They had the close game against Maryland, too. Um, I, I think it was one of those things, like, they weren't going to run the table the rest of the season. So they were eventually they're going to lose a couple more, probably. And I, I kind of expected it. They, one of them would be on the road. So right. It was one of those things, like, it was going to happen. So. Yep, just one of those things in the middle of winter, that's for sure, in Big Ten right. basketball. You know, another thing I was going to bring up, Jared, you've talked about Izzo, it, it's if he doesn't uh, develop talent very very well, I, I went through and looked at the starting five on for the Michigan Michigan State game, and I know rankings with the rankings when kids come out of high school they don't necessarily mean everything, but it, it does mean a little bit. The average for Michigan State starting five their rankings when they came out of high school was is 22. The average for Michigan's starting five when they came out of high school was 162. Wow. Wow, yeah. that is insane. Uh, Abdul Rahman, his he was ranked 434 when he came out of high school, and he he plays like he could be all Big Ten at times. Yeah, he's not consistently, but at times he plays like he could be, he could be all Big Ten. Beeline can develop talent. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he puts guys in the league. He does. I mean, Izzo does too. But like you said, they are definitely a lot more. What's the word I'm looking for? Higher profile, right? Than the guys Michigan has. So now it is supposedly it's going to change a little bit next year, isn't it? Doesn't Beeline have uh, lined up a pretty good recruiting class coming in? Yeah, Brandon Johns. He, he's up to he's top five now. Is it top five? Yeah, with yeah with the the kids, the young kids they have right now, and then the guys coming in next year. Uh, this, this team could be set up for a couple years. Something I noticed, they have like three white centers all look exactly alike. Am I, you, two of them I'll, I'll give you. <laughs> Who's the third? Well, I throw Wagner in there with them. They're all, they all have the same like right. body build. It's, that was just eye-opening to me. Hey, All lanky white guy. That's basically who Beeline recruited. That's who he's zeroing in on. Nothing wrong with that. Well, keeping it on the topic of basketball, Let's go to the NBA, the pros, and what's been going on with these fights. It's kind of like a throwback to the 80s, isn't it? I, I mean, I kind of. Because, yes, these guys are getting in quote-unquote fights, but i got to be honest, I, these, these fights, if you want to call them that, that happen in the NBA are just starting to annoy the hell out of me because 
they're, they're not fights. It's these dudes oh, that are good. getting yeah. a little testy, they're getting in each other's face, and the only time they actually act like they want to fight is when they have that drunk guy at the bar syndrome. <laughs> and and what a teammate starts to hold them back, that's when they start to get tough. When when the path is clear, when they're face-to-face with someone, they're not going to do anything. So it just it bugs me, and, you know, it's fun because it makes the games kind of interesting. It's just like, come on, man, like, what are you guys doing? So, to an extent, I almost wish the refs would just let them go, like in hockey. All right, if you guys want to do this, go ahead, throw a couple punches, then we'll break it up and we'll move on. Well, did you see Barkley and the and the crew just laughing at some of those uh, attempts at punches? I mean, it was it was just it was comical, you know. I I didn't see one blow connect. Everyone thinks that everyone was so tough back in the '80s, and they were so such a much better of a generation of basketball. I am sick of hearing about it. Really, you don't think they were tougher back in the '80s? Well, I mean, if you look back at some of the film, I mean, I know you saw the thirty for thirty on the Pistons, right? Yeah. Now, did you see some of those vicious hits, Lambeer and the and the Celtics guys driving to the basket and just getting cremated? That happens because there's guys like Kurt Rambis running around out there. Yeah, <laughs> not any talent. Kevin no one really. You take him out, nothing's going to happen. Ah, but McHale, you can't throw McHale in Rambis's category, can you? I mean, other than he's a big, tall, white guy, but I mean, I mean, just like a tough guy like that. Yeah, I'll just yeah. What do you think McHale is like in today's game? Just curious. Hmm. Well. In fairness, you know, JaVale how, McGee. like who? JaVel McGee. So you're saying know. he wouldn't be very good? No. I think he would. He, he's one of the guys I think whose game would kind of translate because if he would, he would add a three pointer to his game. Oh yeah. And I and I feel like that hit, and he's so good down low and post moves and everything. From what I've heard, never watched a game of him. Seen a couple highlights. You you know, I know you're a young guy, but you know, you've you've heard of history before, haven't you? Did you study history in school? I did. Okay. So you can educate yourself on some of the some of these players from the old days. If you watch some of the players back then, yeah, and I'm I'm the old guy of the group, so I can tell you firsthand that guys like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, George Mikan. Not George Mikan, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell. I I could go on and on on the players from that era. They could play in today's era. Oh, good. Bill Russell. Bill Russell for sure. Why not? Bill Russell. Well, first they didn't even keep track of blocks back then. Well, he had tons of them. The only reason Bill Russell he like modernized the fast break, the one man like fast break, pushing it with the center. Okay. I, that was like witchcraft of them. I mean, I know I've used that word on this podcast before. <laughs> That's what led to eleven titles. Running a fast break. Think about that. Well, that was part of it. He was all defensive NBA every single year he was in the league. You, you know, it's not just offense, which I think is what they look at nowadays, especially in the regular season. You don't see a lot of defense, in my opinion, compared to what was in the in the so-called old days. Uh, I don't. Totally disagree with you there, but I think one thing that just makes it completely different is the whole hand-checking rule. Back in the day, you could hand-check. Guys like Gary Payton, guys like I think of like Ron Harper when he played for the Bulls and for the Lakers, you could be physical with guys on the perimeter. You could get up in guys. I mean, that's what the Pistons did with Jordan, yeah. Jordan rules for the longest time. You could be physical, and that was kind of part of the rules. Now on the perimeter, you can't, you can't touch guys, basically. And I think that kind of has changed the game, uh, as for defensively, a lot. I you could give Bob Cousy a knife 
and he would still get blended by Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah, it is It is really difficult to compare eras, though. I mean, let's be frank, you know. Athletes today, the training regiment that they have to work with compared to what they had in the old days, it is different. Yeah. You know. I will say this. I personally, yeah. I think the 2000s are the worst era of NBA basketball. Like from 2001 to 2008, 90. Yeah. That's just what I think. Okay. I think that's when it was at. Not only was it the most boring at that point, but it's just flat out the worst basketball. Well, what about now, though? Where's now compare? You think right now it's, it's on a best. high point? It's yeah, the best it's of the all best time. Right it's ever been. But really? I, see, I love the early 2000s. I know you were giving me a hard time, Jared, for something I tweeted out, the, the 2003 All-Star team. Because that, that was, I mean... I was watching a lot of NBA then. Uh, I, I still do, but that was when I was watching like a lot of NBA. So I, I love that era. But I will agree. I think today's NBA is better than that the early 2000s era. Oh. I think these guys are just incredibly skilled, and the athleticism is just like off the charts. I mean, to see guys like Boogie Cousins, Kevin Kevin Durant is seven, basically seven feet tall, and can play any position on the court, can guard any position. It's just insane to me the, how good these guys are. Uh, hot take. I honestly think Kevin Durant is better than Kobe Bryant. Hmm. He may be. I, think, I mean, one, one thing that I always I, – it's fun to have debates about who's better. Is, is Magic better than LeBron? Is, is Kobe better than Jordan? <laughs> all these kind of debates. And I will, I'll, I will have these debates all the time. I love it. But one thing that I do think that makes it, I don't know, almost like a moot point is the eras are so different – and positions are different. As I, like when people say, is, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar better than LeBron James? Well, they play completely different positions. Right. I mean, like, is one better than the other? I don't know. Like, they play different positions. They play in different eras. So the, the argument's kind of hard to make. Well, let me throw this out there. I mean, if, you're, if we're going to talk about that in maybe different eras, and, and let me phrase the question this way. If you were going to start an NBA team, and you could take any player this era all the way back to the beginning – who would you take to have as the guy you would start your team with? LeBron James, no doubt. No doubt to you. Well, that, see, see, this would be my this would be my question. Are you saying you you know how this guy's career ends up? Because like right now, yeah, LeBron James, because you know how great he ends up being, so you would want to take him. But like when Steph Curry came in the league, you didn't know that he was going to be as great as he is right now. Yeah, nobody did. You, you know, you know what I mean, like. Well, you almost got to look at their whole resume because if you go back, you can you can look at you know how they developed and how they they put their own game together. Like for me, I'm the old guy again to remind people out there, Jared Jared laughing of course, but I would probably start a team. LeBron would be a good one, but if it was me, I'd have one of two. I'd either have Magic or Jordan. That's who I would have to start my team with. Jordan, f- phenomenal defensive player, Magic could play every position on the court. I mean, his rookie year, he filled in for Kareem in the clincher of the NBA championship game. He, he, he went from point guard to center. Well, what do think you about it. LeBron? Oh, LeBron's very similar. I mean, yeah. I can't give a passionate argument against LeBron. He's right there. You're honestly telling me. I would take Jordan or Magic. In here I think you no, I'm not. What, what rabbit hole you're going down here. You're saying you would rather have Magic Johnson over LeBron James? I, I think I think I would, yeah. Oh, my. Seriously, for the same amount of time in the league, yeah, I would. I think Magic or LeBron would be great, great places to start a franchise. Magic played with Kareem. People seem to forget that. I don't think anybody's forgotten it. I mean, the, the the key to winning championships is good players for sure, right? LeBron's been in the league long enough, to, long enough to have good players play with him. Why? Why hasn't there been better players? 
Yeah, he, LeBron LeBron didn't win anything till he teamed up with Wade and Bosch. Right. Well, what did Kobe Bryant do, Mr. Lakers fan? He won a championship with uh with Shaq, right? Yeah. Yeah, Kobe he was drafted well, he was drafted by the Hornets, but he got traded to the Lakers. I mean it, he he was he was drafted basically he, by the Lakers. He, he didn't have to team up with somebody doing a championship. That's he, where he started his career. Yeah, he didn't team up. He just sent out one of the best players ever, forced him to leave the Lakers, Hall of Famer, Shaquille O'Neal. Scottie Pippen's a top 50 player of all time, too. This so is... so every, every player needs one of those players to win championships. The only team or, or one of the only teams that you could ever make an argument that you don't have a top 50 player on that roster is maybe the 04 Pistons. See, as yeah. is, that's where I say why I think 2001-ish to 2009-ish worst de- decade of basketball. Just for they, that reason, like a team like Pistons, the Pistons yeah. could win it? I mean, they scored 70 points a game, roughly. Their starting center is 6-7 in <laughs> heels. I I just don't know how that team won. It's incredible. That's what makes I, I think, me point to I, that. I understand what you're saying. I think you are uh, not giving them enough credit. Rasheed Wallace... Was I think I think underrated as a player. I think his his technicals and all that all that kind of stuff that he did it overshadowed his play. It, yeah. it kind of overshadowed how good he was, right? And Chauncey Billups at that time he was one of the best point guards in the league, and Rip Hamilton was one of the best knockdown shooters in the league. So they had a great team, but right, they were playing kind of old school basketball, scoring eighty points a game and and you know playing tough defense. Well, so. what we what we forget sometimes, you know, we talk about the NBA, we talk about the players, right? But you go back to that Pistons team, it, it truly was a team. Every player on that team had their role. I mean, you had Tayshawn Prince, you had Ben Wallace. I mean, they gelled together and and they had a real nice run. Plus, they had a Hall of Fame coach in Larry Brown, you know? I mean, basketball still is a team game. The NBA likes to market themselves as, you know, a player league, don't they? I mean, that's their whole marketing thing is individual players and not so much the teams. It's the way to do it. Yeah? Yeah, I think they do an incredible job at it. Yeah. Everyone knows they're superstars. You know, other sports, things, I mean, like baseball, like Tim Tebow almost is a bigger name in baseball than any other Major League Baseball star. He doesn't even play in the big leagues. <laughs> right. And I'm not knocking the marketing. I mean, it is brilliant marketing, but the, the end of the day, it's all about winning championships, I, you know, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to throw out, I looked up some numbers, because I, I had talked to this, talked about this with uh, some buddies before and, and seen stats on TV or whatever. So we were talking about the different eras of basketball and how things have changed. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these numbers, but these just, just absolutely blew my mind when, I, when I've seen these before. So Larry Bird, you know, he's always kind of been considered one of the best, one of the best shooters in NBA history. The most three-pointers that yeah. he ever made in one season – was 90. <laughs> Steph Curry, a few years ago, made 402 <laughs> one season. In Larry Bird's whole career, he made 649 threes. Curry has already made 2,045. Yeah, I saw a stat that was a lot wow. like that, where it's like DeMarcus Cousins made or shot, I don't know which one it was off the top of my head, more threes than Larry Bird ever did in a season. Wow. Yeah, and, and he's a center. <laughs> exactly. Those are pretty eye-opening stats. I got to admit that, you know. And and again, the game has changed, obviously. Uh, but those are those are impressive stats, without he's a doubt. Player, I think he would be better in today's game. I, I mean, he, who Bird? He's slow as yeah, hell. Right. He wears jeans to practice, but <laughs> he would be able to shoot threes a lot more. Yeah. And that's gonna. I think that benefits him more than any other players from that generation. I've had this debate with with friends before too that. 
the the 92 dream team versus the redeem team in in 08 who would win i am 100 percent without a doubt that the redeem team would beat that 92 dream team yeah i'm with you there 100%. Throw, throw some of those names out from those teams so i mean I, the obvious ones for 92 are and you got to think about where these players were at the time. Yeah, Magic and Bird were kind of at the tail end of their career, right? Right. Magic and Bird were at the tail end. Jordan obviously was in his prime, so he's the guy. Right. Magic actually was still playing well, but he was getting towards the end of his career. They had Carl Malone, Stockton. Yeah. You know, uh, Patrick Ewing. Right. Um, Christian Leitner, of course. Yeah, well, he didn't um, play much. Right, right. Barkley. You know, so those guys. A hell of a team, no doubt. A ton of Hall of Famers. But... Like like Jared was saying earlier, the athleticism of that Redeem team, you've got LeBron in his prime. You've got Carmelo Anthony, who at that time was like an incredibly versatile player. Kobe, Jason Kidd, who, you know, he's a good point guard. Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, who at that time, he was in his prime, you know, the athleticism. I just think that Redeem team, there's no way that that 92 team could keep up with them. Yeah, it would be tough. You were rolling, and then you threw out Dwight Howard. That's <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I'm not a Dwight Howard fan. But it, for this argument, I just think at that time he was he was putting up incredible numbers, and I just think about him in his prime being guarded by Patrick Ewing, who obviously is a Hall of Famer. I don't think Patrick Ewing would be able to keep up with him athletically. I mean, because you go through like who would guard who. Then that that's where I always start to lean towards the redeem team because okay you would say Kobe and Jordan will match up with each other okay? right so then you've got LeBron versus Magic and LeBron would torch Magic at that time yeah Magic couldn't keep you, up with him defensively I agree with that right and then the the point guard you got John Stockton versus Chris Paul you really think John Stockton could guard Chris Paul <laughs> you know and so when you start breaking it down like that it's just like it it would be tough and. You got Charles Barkley, who was the secret weapon of. You've heard? Have you heard that before? He was like the secret weapon of the team. No, he had a beer gut. <laughs> I, I don't understand how Charles Barkley was good. I will never ever understand that. I mean, I think he was. He could shoot, and you know, he was for his size. He was really athletic, but I think he was a product of that era of basketball. You know, like I, I think in in today's game, he would maybe be like almost stuck because he wouldn't be a power forward. But could he shoot like you know some of these? stretch fours do in today's game you know i don't know yeah i doubt it i view him as kind of he's one of those guys where i probably could go back and watch it and be like man he's really good i, I choose not to i'm stubborn <laughs> i you refuse six foot three oh, beer his, gut, round mountain rebound i don't see how he's good <laughs> his highlight tapes if you watch him with the sixers and then with the suns when he he won the mvp his highlight tapes he's he's for real i mean he 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 could play but everyone's highlight tapes are you're right you no know? Well, it's always good to debate today and yesteryear, that's for sure. But, you know, you guys are swaying me a little bit to today's ball player. You know, the, the skill level is definitely higher when you look overall at the picture nowadays. I'll give you that. Well, we'll have more debates in uh, college and NBA basketball as we get deeper into the winter for sure. But right now, you know, the big topic, nationally anyway, is the NFL. We had some big weekend games last weekend some of your guys thoughts on on the games like the the jaguars beat the steelers you know they're taking on the patriots now but uh how does mike tomlin keep his job just a quick stat for i'll let matt take this one but blake bortles two playoff wins matthew stafford zero yeah zero 
Yeah, I don't, there's nothing you can say to that. That's completely valid. It, it, that's a true stat. But would you rather have Blake Bortles as your quarterback, or would you would you take Matt Stafford and throw him on that Jaguars team and think he'd have a couple wins? I, I would definitely I would take Matt Stafford, but two playoff wins. Argue it. I, there's there, You can't argue it. You can't argue the wins, but you can argue who's the better quarterback, can't you? Yeah, you can. But Matt Stafford, I mean, has Matt Stafford ever had a game where he shuts down the Steelers like that? Lights up the Steelers? Lights up a good team? Yeah, well... Not the Chicago so, Bears. So you're saying Bortles, Bortles actually lit up the Steelers last week, did he? I thought he did. Did he? I thought he played really well. He played well, but I didn't. I wouldn't call he, it lighting them up. He, he did enough to win. He didn't lose the game. Right. He didn't light them up. And that that is one thing that is a valid, um, I guess, criticism of Matt Stafford is obviously the playoff record, but also his, his record against winning teams is not good. It's not good. So, I'll give you that. Stuff, it's getting to the point where there is stuff that you can't, you can't defend him on. Well, soon he's got to come up with some big wins, that's for sure. It's got to happen soon. I think that the Jaguars and Bortles, it is. it should be the perfect, almost like defense of Matt Stafford. Everyone knows, you know, Jared just made the point. He, he threw out the 2-0, the playoff record, but then immediately said, no, of course I would rather have Matt Stafford. So everyone knows that Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles, but Blake Bortles has a, a strong defense. And a very good run game. Yeah, Stafford has virtually never had a good run game, and only maybe like a year or two had a, a good defense. Goes to show that you need those things to win. Yeah, no doubt. Well, what are you guys' thoughts on last weekend's? You know, the Steelers losing that game. I mean, some of the craziest plays I've ever seen on fourth down calls. Roethlisberger throws two long bombs on fourth and one, and then they don't do a quarterback sneak on fourth and one when the game's totally on the line. Why are people calling for Tomlin's job? I don't get that. He's a t- I'd say he's top ten coach in the league. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But sometimes you do wear out your welcome. And I had to question some of his calls in that game. I know you, you tweeted at me about uh, they should have kicked the field goal late in that game. I mean, they should have. So you're saying with, like, the minute left, just to give them so, some sort of last-ditch effort? So, yeah, because they, yeah. they had to make two scores no matter what. You know, get the score and get the onside kick. After the uh, what Roethlisberger got called for the intentional grounding. Right. So yeah, that's the time to happened, kick it. Yeah, once that happened and they got backed up, right. Take the field goal and then give yourself a chance. Because then after that penalty, they kind of just, like, ran a couple plays and the clock ran out. Yeah, they weren't managing the clock well there. And there were some other debatable calls in that game, too. I don't know. I was just irritated with Tomlin. <laughs> Jared, you bring up a top ten coach. Well, record-wise, obviously, you know, no doubt. Well, tell me who you would rather have outside of this list of names right here. Bill Belichick, Mike Zimmer, Sean Payton, Doug Marone, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll, John Har- John Harbaugh, and Andy Reid. Name another name other than those guys oh. that you would rather have <laughs> than Tomlin, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, that's fair, that's fair. That's the way I look at it. And he, I mean, 124-67 and 67 record, including playoffs. Right. Never finished below 500 in any season. He's black, think, which helps. That helps. I think what people are starting to say about Tomlin is, I, I don't know if you have his like profile pulled up. I don't remember the exact year that they won the Super Bowl, but it's been a little while. And I think what people are starting to say about Tomlin is they have very good teams the last four or five years. But like to Ted's point, once it comes playoff times, these big moments, these big playoff games, he seems to be like coming up short. He seems to be almost making the wrong decisions more often than not. And hasn't there been a lot of uh, 
let's call it locker room controversy, Le'Veon Bell running his mouth, and, and and a lot of different things have happened. Shouldn't a coach have a little bit more control over that? Belichick wouldn't allow Did that kind of that stuff. Le'Veon Bell skipped walkthroughs before the game. Okay. And Is that a good thing? So they keep going back and forth on this whole Le'Veon Bell uh, franchise tag thing. Yeah, right. And I don't know. Where do you think – where do you sit on that? Should they pay him or should they – I kind of tread water. Well, I think they ought to. I think they ought to trade him to Detroit. That's what I think. <laughs> no, but where Tomlin really went wrong, he didn't have his sunglasses on. <laughs> he's, his talents, like he, be, he's like the Hulk. He becomes his talents triple when he puts on the sunglasses. Well, I saw, I saw this on Twitter too. He, he had to lose some respect with his fellow coaches, as nobody told him he had spit yeah, in his beard. I saw that too. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, also, I mean, the highlight, and, and we had talked about this, or I had mentioned this, how awesome it would have been to record a show after after the games last weekend, you know? I mean, after that Minnesota miracle. The drama. Oh, my Not God. with the touchdown. Okay. The field goal extra point. Oh, my you God. you see how the spread was at? Yes. That was must-watch TV. Did that break Vegas or what? I know. Well, we're, the drama was, are they going to – were they going to run a play without the Saints on the field? And then I know your Vikings, you got to think you got to run it in for the two if there's no one on the field, or do what they did, take yeah. a knee. I mean, well, if you, do you think they would take a knee if there's no one on defense? What do you think? Well, they took a knee anyway, right? No, but there was players like there was guys standing. Yeah, the there's a punter there. But. Yeah, yeah. You have to wonder. I, I I didn't really think about that. If there was literally no one on the field, would they just snap the ball and? And walk in. For I mean, two points. Oh, my God. The crowd would allow, for, like the rules would allow for them to run a play with no one on the field. I don't even know what they would do. But it was it was really strange. That's just another added to the list, another rule that the NFL just needs to change. Oh, yeah. Reason to make the Saints come back out after that. I love the but it was, it was a pretty cool moment with <laughs> yeah. the whole spread thing and, and watching Case Keenum do the, the Viking chant and all that stuff with the crowd. It what? was cool. Watching the scrubs and the punters, you yeah. could tell they picked out the guys who'd never play to send them back out there. Well, the one guy was a captain. He came out. Well, the punter with a broken rib was out there. Did you guys end up seeing, I don't know if, Jared, you saw, but the, there was some video of uh, some sports books in Vegas. Some some people, when they, they had basically video running of the crowd in the sports books when the Vikings, you know, they, they came back out for the extra point because – they would have caught, kicked the extra point. They would have went over the spread and all that kind of stuff. So, so once they took a knee, like half of the room erupted, and the other half was like, "Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that would be awesome." Well, they definitely do need to get rid of that rule. There's no time on the clock. There's no sense. What is the purpose of it? I well, it, in a reg- I, I can tell you exactly. In the regular season, it's the rule because for some reason, points total points oh, okay. has an effect on the tiebreaker. Yeah, that makes sense right. to me. Okay, you know, but there's no need for it in a playoff game. They just they need to change that. It only makes common sense. But was that? Would you guys say that was one of the top, uh, for sure, top five NFL finishes you've ever seen? Oh no doubt. Yeah, I think so. If you're talking NFL and like the just the craziness of it, I think so. Like what what makes me like a comparison is you said NFL, but a comparison to it is the the Michigan-Michigan State game the trouble with the snap game. Yes. Because you're sitting there, you know, basically one play away. I didn't think about that one. They might have been able to fit a couple plays in, but that was probably going to be the last play for the Vikings. So you're sitting there as a Saints fan, for the most part, you're sitting there thinking, we got this game. Similar to Michigan, when they're about to punt that ball, you're sitting there thinking, like, all you got to do is get it and punt it away, you're good to go. 
and literally, like, almost the most impossible thing <laughs> happens. You know, you have when, when Diggs caught the ball and that DB just completely whiffed on the tackle. Oh. Like, that was just crazy. That was almost like the, the fix was in. I mean, I know it wasn't, but it almost looked like it. Like he whiffed so bad. And, you know, his explanation made sense. He didn't want to get past interference, and he's a, he's a rookie, isn't he? He's a real good player, but he's a rookie yeah. of the DB. Yeah, he had a huge interception earlier in the a- game. Absolutely. Yeah. But he definitely did not play that one well. All he had to do was come up and, and bear hug him to well, the yeah, ground. But he goes out of bounds, and it's like a 42-yard field goal. Correct? Right, yep. So where – what were they running is the real question. You got to guard the sideline there, obviously. Well, they were they were, I think, but he came up too fast and just he kind of lost it in the moment, you know, and then ducked the head. It, it, it was just the perfect storm, you know. Diggs was a little bit him, you know, standing mean mugging on top of the bench. He I think he was a little bit overboard with the celebration. Do you really? I mean, that was that was the most incredible finish you could ever have. I mean, he he was probably half insane. Sitting on the sidelines, either sidelines, really, because yeah, you're you're probably as a Vikings, you're probably starting to think like, what am I going to do next week? Where am I going to start taking a vacation? Right, all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you see Diggs catch the ball, and he's running up the sidelines, and you're. I, I can't even imagine what that feeling would be like. Got to give him tons of props, too, for not just running out of bounds because he was only about a yard away from the sideline, wasn't he? And that was the whole play. Catch it, get out of bounds, kick the field goal. And he had enough smarts to know, hey, there's nobody in front of me. Yeah, yeah, it was impressive. Something like you mentioned how shocking of a moment was. I think it's important to kind of see how the season plays out for the yeah. Vikings. If they go on to win the Super Bowl – It'll be remembered as probably the number one, I mean, probably yeah. only behind the Super Bowl as one of the top most shocking plays in history. But if, if they end up losing this week, I think it's kind of going to get a little bit forgotten. You know, that's a fair point, too, because a lot of times in those situations, what comes to my mind, you know, I go back to the Steelers and the Immaculate Reception. The Steelers shocked Oakland. I remember you probably have seen the film clip yeah, before, yeah. but uh, they lost the next week to the Dolphins. They, I always thought that was in the Super Bowl. No, that was in the conference championship. The more you know. Well, no, it wasn't the conference championship. It was the first round, right? Oh, really? Because they lost to the Dolphins the following week. Yeah, and it's similar to uh, the, the Tennessee play, the Music City Miracle. Right. You know, on the kickoff where they threw it back, White, Frank Wycheck threw it all the way across the field. You know, a similar thing to that. Like, it's looked at as one of the greatest plays, you know, in NFL playoff history and everything. But they didn't win the Super Bowl, so... So, right, if the Vikings go on, especially since the Super Bowl is at their home stadium, right. if they go on with their backup quarterback to – actually, their third-string quarterback, technically, to go to the Super Bowl in their home stadium after that play, uh, it might be one of the best runs in, in NFL history. Well, Foles against Case Keenum. Who would have thunk that, huh, in the championship game? Uh, let's let's take a look at that right now. Vikings at Eagles, that's the nightcap. Uh you know, Vikings, like you said, Matt, playing to have the first time ever to have a home field game in the Super Bowl. On the road with the Eagles, it should be a defensive battle. Both teams have very good defenses. What do you guys think? Who's going to win that game? Well, I was reading a post by, like, I was talking to my friend Richardson about this, mm-hmm. and he's a big-time Philly guy. And it's funny how people, just is kind of just a side note, but it's funny how people are so obsessed with RPOs, just saying that acronym RPO, RPO, RPO. Run pass option. Yeah. And people are, I saw some Philly inquiry, probably a home-based fan, but he said, you know, Nick Foles, 
he's like a basketball player. He's throwing behind the back passes. He's throwing no looks. I wish I had the exact quote. It might take me a minute to find it. Give me a minute to find it, but it's just hilarious. Yeah. How people, I don't even think he played basketball. Does he look like a basketball player to you? Hard to tell. Hard to tell. <laughs> I bet he played basketball. I mean, he's a quarterback. Most, Not all quarterbacks, but most quarterbacks are, are pretty athletic and can play multiple sports. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played basketball. But I, I feel like I'm leaning more towards the Eagles just because for the whole season they've kind of been the better team. But since Foles came on, they have kind of stumbled a little bit. So, And the Vikings are kind of riding that, that momentum from last week. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm leaning the Eagles, too. I, I, I got to say the Eagles in a close one, but it wouldn't shock me to go the other way. But if I had to be, a, you know, if I have to go on record, I'm going to go with the Eagles at home, low-scoring defensive battle. And I think some of the karma from that excitement, from that miracle win by the Vikings, and plus the pressure knowing that, oh, we only we got to win this game and we're going to be home for the Super Bowl, I think there's a lot of pressure involved in that. Yeah, that, would, that is kind of crazy to think, like, if, if they do lose – well, I mean, for whatever guys actually live in Minnesota, I'm sure there's there's probably not many who actually live in Minneapolis. But for the ones that do, they're sitting there at, at home while the Super Bowl is happening in their home stadium. That would kind of be a weird feeling. Yeah, no doubt. That's one. I, if I ever had a game where I advise people to stay away, it's <laughs> that one. Uh, the Vikings are favored by three, but Ooh. I don't trust it. Yeah. I, feel bad about that one because you don't know is the are the vikings the team of destiny or are they gonna have a huge letdown right that's what you were kind of mentioning i'm not sure yeah that's that's a that's a toss-up man for sure if i had to pick my heart says the eagles so i'd have to go with my heart okay all right and then on the other side i mean you know all the drama this week the last couple days anyway has been uh tom brady's hand is he going to be able to play is he going to be able to perform they're not letting on anything, that's for sure. I watched the presser today. <laughs> Typical Still Tom Brady. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Him, him going out there with his two gloves on? Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was getting asked about it. He said, I told you. I just felt like wearing them today. <laughs> it's going to be nothing. What, what did he say when they asked? Like, Are you confident that you're going to play? We'll see. That's exactly what he said. We'll see. <laughs> yep. Classic Tom Brady. But, uh, you know, can the Jaguars pull this off? I think they can. Uh, you, you, I mean, what'd you say the spread was? Is it seven now? Seven and a half? Seven and a half. It started off at nine and a half. I yeah, think, so. yeah, it did. I don't, I don't think the hand thing is nothing. I think, I mean, if he got, I, I read some today that when it happened, his hand was, it was cut up. It was, he was bleeding and whatever, probably got just kind of jammed up in a helmet or something. So I'm sure it's nothing or, or it's not nothing, but he, he's going to be fine. I mean, it's, they're just leading on like the like the Patriots always do. Their their injury list is always full of people that are questionable. Just well, put his hand in quinoa and avocado, whatever the TB12 method calls for, and he'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably be the, 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 the lone one here, but uh, there's just some kind of hunch that I, I for some reason I, I'm thinking the Jaguars are going to pull it out. That's I really cool. I really That's do. That's a classic take there. That's not going to happen. <laughs> You'll – when it's two minutes into the second quarter, roughly right. into the second quarter, and the Patriots are up seventeen to three, as soon as the Jaguars fall behind, they're done. Right. I think that's that's the biggest thing. If the Patriots do a good up, yeah, whatever, fourteen, seventeen points, it could be tough because at least history shows that you know Tom Brady doesn't give games away. So 
So if, if the Patriots can get a lead early, I think it'll be tough for the Jags to win. And Gronk's as healthy as he's ever been. That's true. That's true. And they have looked yeah. impressive, but I don't know. What do I know? I, I do terrible on my predictions anyway. I'm the old guy, but I still do bad on predictions. I'm with you in spirit. <laughs> boy. You pulling for the Jags? A little bit, but I also, I, for some reason, I love the Patriots. Yeah. I would love to I a Jaguars-Vikings or Jaguars-Eagles Super Bowl. Kind of be a dud. Be a dud. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the NFL, if, if it's Jaguars-Eagles, <laughs> I think that's the worst possible matchup because you got the whole Cinderella story in the home field with the Vikings. Right. And obviously the love-hate relationship everyone has with the Patriots. So if it's, if it's Jaguars-Eagles, I mean, people like us will still watch, but, you know, it, that's not what the NFL is hoping yeah, for, I don't think. Yeah, that is not the marquee game for sure. The NFL wants Vikings and Patriots without a doubt. And, that, well, that'd be fun. It would be fun in Minnesota. It'd be fun to watch. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, be... I'm with you, Jared, though. Like, I, 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 without a doubt, will not call myself a Patriots fan. But there's something about watching them play. I mean, I, I'm a Tom Brady fan, you know, the whole Michigan thing. I, I do like seeing Tom Brady win. But something about watching the Patriots, it, it's just so impressive to watch how good they are. You know, and they and they, as an organization, they just plug them in, don't they? It's incredible. Like just, I I love watching their offense, just how good they are. Their receivers, just just how good they are. Maybe it's like what Jared was talking about the 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 little white receivers keep, <laughs> keeping the dream alive for all of us guys that that used to play receiver. Maybe that's what it is for me. That could be it for sure. Yeah, I love I love the white receiver stereotype. Oh, he's such a great route runner. He's <laughs> he's got such a great relationship with the quarterback. He's so smart. It, it is a stereotype. It's a classic stereotype. He's more more quick than fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hey, I got one other thing, guys. I want to talk about a little bit. Get your takes on this. You know, I've I've been a, a sports and and uh, kind of shock stuff on the radio guy. I'm a Howard Stern guy. I love Howard Stern. Okay, just to lay that out on the Best table. Ever. That's old school. I believe so too. But you know, the big thing. And, and Jared and you got and Matt, you can fill me in a little bit. This barstool sports, okay? They just came on Sirius Radio this week. It's really been my first exposure, other than seeing some of the stuff on Twitter. I follow them on Twitter, but uh, this is the new age, isn't it? This is this is the future, probably of of sports on radio. What do you what do you guys think about that? So when you say future, are you talking about just kind of like the outlandish type angle? Well, kind of outlandish, kind of uh, the millennial look at things i mean i know you're a big fan you're a stoolie right is that the term i need some education on this too because even though i'm an old guy i try to stay up to date on on the stuff that's happening nowadays and i i tuned into this this week to some of their shows their morning show the first morning show they had was actually pretty good they had some good guests chris myers was on there talking about francesa was awesome on there uh piers morgan so the morning show was pretty good, but like you said, the the staple is the the afternoon show with Portnoy, right? Yeah, Portnoy, he's electric. He'll go after anyone, right? And he's it's just himself. That's what I love about it. It's he's it's, so genuine. It's impressive. And they are completely outrageous. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the topics they get into, uh, they got some little person. Of course, they call him a Zah. midget. Yeah, za, and they're trying to hook him up with some porn star. I mean, it's crazy. That might happen. I think it might happen. There's going to be money on the table. Oh, man. <laughs> now, I know, Matt, at ESPN, they tried uh, tried it. It didn't last very long. It just wasn't a good fit, uh, apparently, uh, with the worldwide leader and, of course, all the controversy with Sam Ponder and everything. But uh, do you get a chance to check it out at all? I haven't listened to the serious show, but I do know like what, 
what their, I guess, recipe is and what they're trying to do. I think that's why a lot of people, maybe more towards the younger generation, but are are intrigued by it or are interested in it and like it is because it is so different than, like, the the normal sports talk show that you're used to or, or even TV shows or, or news shows or whatever where you normally just get a press conference with your standard interview. How was practice this week? What are you doing to prepare for this exactly. team? Exactly. What kind of what kind of things can you do to beat the Patriots? Why is Bill Belichick? You know, the, just the standard questions that right. everyone knows the answers that they're going to give. Everyone knows they're going to give like the company answers or whatever. I think people are maybe to an extent kind of getting sick of that stuff. So barstool sports, they're they're kind of going the complete different route, and and it's working right now. I think they need to figure out like how far they're going to go. Because, right, Howard Stern maybe is a, a, a good comparison anyway of doing stuff like that. But that that's who he's been all along. But that's why he's, his radio show has always had a be on, like, XM or Sirius Radio, because he, he does stuff that the network or, you know, the, the mainstream stations or whatever can't pick him up. That's why ESPN couldn't stick with Barstool, because it was like, if we're going to have – if Barstool is going to be who they are, what makes them great, we have to let them be who they are. And there's no way that Disney was going to allow no. that kind of stuff to be on ESPN. No, and I think they've got their own niche now. You know, And going back to Stern for a minute, you know, when he first started out, he was like the ultimate shock jock. You know, he'd bring in st- lesbian strippers, and, you know, it was just completely outrageous. But as he got older, and, as, and as, since he's come to Sirius Radio, you know, he really has found a niche as uh, one of the best interviewers out there, and he's he gets some of the very top names in sports and entertainment, you know, to sit down with him for a long, you know, hour-and-a-half interview. I mean, it's it's incredible. Stern's still relevant. And I think Barstool, they're making their name kind of like Stern did originally by sh- just shocking the world, you know, being completely outrageous. I think if they're going to be around for the long term and get the kind of guests, like I talked about that they've lined up already – you know they got to be a little bit more mainstream as they go down the road. Still be outrageous to a certain extent, but I think you're going to see it calm down a little bit. I could be completely wrong. They might just stick with it because do they have any competition at all right now in this kind of broadcasting? Not. I mean, they put anyone to shame who kind of. I mean, obviously they can't really. Qualify. I mean, are there imitators yeah, out there? But there is like dead spin and stuff like that. Okay, they just kind of. I don't know. I mean, they just put put them to, the, to, to bed. Okay. Guess, well, put, well it. put it this way. I'm an old guy, like I say time and time again, but I kind of like it. You know, I, I'm not going to say I like every show that they've put out there for this week, but I think for a, for a debut, it's been pretty good. Yeah. You know, it, it's got my attention. It is outrageous. Is it Pat McAfee? Yeah, Pat McAfee. I mean, a former punter in the NFL, he quit at the age of 29 to join Barstool. Yeah. I mean, he's very solid. I mean, he, he has connections in the league, obviously, and uh, he puts on a good show. He's awesome, yeah. They're all good. No, I think there's there's definitely value to what they're doing because it, a lot of the criticism that they get are from kind of the older school journalist people, the people that, are, that pump their chest about true journalism. And, you know, if you're – if you're going to report the news or report sports, you know, you need to be a journalist. And these guys are just, you know, some dudes that went to school and started doing a radio show or doing podcasts or whatever, and now they're, like, becoming famous and making something of themselves. So the people that 
that think you need to be a true journalist or whatever when, when it comes to doing stuff like that don't like what they're doing. But I think that's, like what I was saying earlier, I think that's what is attracting people to them is is it's not boring. It's it's different. You're getting, like Jared said, these guys are being genuine, and when they interview people, they're getting genuine responses. They're getting people that to show their true selves, not just give those those boring, generic answers. Yeah, and that's what you mentioned that about Howard Stern, how he grades great interviews. If you listen right. to Pardon My Take, I don't know if you right. listen to that. I haven't, not much. They peel back. People are so just natural on that show as guests. It's it's incredible. It's impressive. When's that on? It's a podcast. Oh, Wednesday, it's pod. Wednesdays and Fridays. So it's, it's not the a- most popular one. They have they're like one of the top sports podcasts. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you bring that up. I heard uh, I am Rappaport today, and I'm not a huge Michael Rappaport fan at all. I can't stand the guy, but but he's he's had a couple of good interviews this week. He had To on today for a very long interview and brought out a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's something, one of my favorite shows, um, I'm not being a company man, but uh, is Levitard and Stu Gatz. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge Levitard and Stu Gatz fan. Just, they kind of do some crazy stuff, too. But um, one thing that he has really found his niche, well, both of them, but more Levitard, has really found his niche with are his interviews. When he gets people on, he doesn't just ask, like, how did you feel after you won the game? You know, those those generic questions that people ask all the time. He gets people really to open up, and he, he gets people, like he has, uh, one of his things now is he has Adam Schefter on his show, but they almost don't ask him anything about football. They ask him about basketball, and they <laughs> ask him about other sports. They have uh, Tim Kirchin on, and they have they just have callers call in and ask Kirchin literally almost anything they want, dating advice, uh, what they should have for dinner, stuff like that. So it's stuff that gets these these personalities, these people that you see on TV all the time or see on, here on the radio, you get to see another side of them. You get to actually see who they are. And I think that's one thing that, that Levitard has really, really thrived doing. You know, you talked about Barstool and how they're irreverent as far as being journalists. You know, they'll ask anything. i got to give ESPN some props. So for one of the old guys you got there and uh, outside the lines, Bob Lee, he's class oh, the act. The general, is that what you call him? Yeah, that's, hey, he's the general. He's class act all the way. You know, I don't want to get into this topic, but I I was watching this week about the whole Larry Nasser case, you know, and the outside the lines on that. And, I mean, it was it was gripping television to see what's going on in Lansing and that whole tragedy. And and Bob Lee knows how to be the, the ringmaster for that type of show. No, he, he's the best in the business. And, and that's, again, I'm not being a company man. He, he's the best in the business when it comes to that kind of stuff. And that's why he, he I mean, that's why he is who he is. When it comes to, I mean, he, he started out doing Sports Center and stuff like that, but he is he's found his niche, I guess, with more like investigative uh, reporting. And he he's the best in the business, and he he does it. You know, he's genuine with his reporting. He's not just out there reading scripts or reading off the teleprompter. He he knows what he's doing. He he looks into whatever story they're reporting on and, and does does his homework, does his his uh, investigating. And he's he's the best. He's he's just great. No doubt about I do. it. I've, I worked with him a few times and interacted with him a handful of times on campus up in Bristol. And he's that guy that, you know, he's like Chris Berman. When you would see him on campus, it's like everyone knows who they are, <laughs> you know. But he, he doesn't make you feel that way. Whenever I would bump into him in the calf or, or in the hallways, he'd always say hi. He'd, a couple times in the cafeteria when we're sitting there ordering our food, he'd ask me uh, what department I work in or what I do. So he, he just a super nice guy. He, he's a general. He's a man. 
Before we wrap up the show, let's see what's up with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Krusty Jackstrap. Hey, Fred, Matt, Herod. In last week's NFL playoff, I had the Eagles, Patriots, Steelers, and Vikings. Who would have thunk that the mighty steel curtain led by Mean Joe Green would show signs of rust and corrosion giving up 45 points to the Jags? The Jags' young and aggressive defense, led by Tony Bozzelli, Jalen Rose, and Miles Jack, played well enough to keep Cordell Stewart and running back LeVar Ball from erasing another fourth-quarter deficit. And I'm still watching replays, guys, of that amazing win by the Vikings. Well, they've labeled it the Minnesota Miracle, but I'm calling it the miraculous miss. That's the bigger part of the equation. The catch by cocky sensation Randy Moss was excellent, but the miss by Saints defensive back Marcus Allen was a thing of beauty if you like movies with serial killers and chainsaws, and I know Ted does. Anyway, his poor bloody ego was splattered on 35 million screens across America, and they all witnessed the miraculous miss. I'd like to try to put in perspective, gentlemen, the extreme humiliation he must be suffering. Well, first of all, I thought it was embarrassing to miss my wedding day while camping up in Sheboygan, Michigan back in 1952. But uh, I've not camped out with my friend Jack Daniels since that fateful day, and then my wife Jackie still brings that up. Darn women. Anyway, I'm sure Mr. Daniels has not been lonely while hanging out in Louisiana this week. Can you imagine... How confident you must be to be a professional athlete. How big his ego is or was. Allen was probably the best in youth football. Daryl Strawberry in high school, college, and by all accounts, he had a hell of a rookie season. And then, with the whole world watching, he simply misses a tackle while a man is suspended in the air Make that tackle, and victory is achieved for your Saints coach, Jim Mora. The humiliation and pain would be like a two-time spelling bee champion getting stumped on spelling the word choke. A-L-L-A-N. Or a basketball player driving uncontested for a winning layup only to toss up an air ball. My prediction for this weekend are as follows. Aaron Rodgers looks under the hood of Danica Patrick and finds that the relationship runs out of gas by Valentine's Day. I hope I don't have gas on Valentine's Day. It's embarrassing. Anyway, Vikings 28, Eagles 24, Patriots 21, Jacksonville 10, and two quick basketball comments, guys, before I get off here. All right. That didn't sound right, did it? Anyway, congratulations to Michigan coach Steve Fisher's impressive win over Michigan State's coach Izzo. It's a big win, but we all know that Izzo has a master's degree in March Madness mastery. Try saying that five times. I'll take a loss in mid-January for a Sweet 16 any day. And finally, on the baller brand basketball shoe not selling well. I don't know if you guys know it, but my son Jake, who lives in my basement, ended up buying a pair of the sneakers. I think they're ugly, frankly. Well, anyway, he wants to get on the horn here with you, and he wants to say a couple things. Hey, Jake! Jake! (laughs) Hello, Hello, guys. I'm Jake. And I this I like to call this uh, Jake's take. 
Uh, LeVar Bell and BBB have received negative press with bad BBB rating. He does not have tagline or slogan. I mailed him my marketing idea, but he never responded. He could make a ton of money. Are you listening, LeVar? Here is your new tagline. Big baller brand. Do you have balls? Hey, give me that darn fun. Sorry about that, guys. And Jake, go down in the basement. See you guys later. Okay, guys, that's it for now. Please share with all your friends and give us your feedback along with any topics for discussion you might have. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Z92.5SportsGuy. Matt, where are you at? I'm at Burnsy381. And Jared? At FastXSports underscore. And definitely uh, send us your email comments, topics you want us to talk about, what we might want to get in at 3pointpod at gmail.com. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan and Fat Stack Sports production with special consideration provided by Z92.5 The Castle. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.